is episode four of the Airwork podcast, an interview show with London Rubyists. This time I'm joined by Alex McCaw. We talked about some of his many open source projects, his travels and experiences in San Francisco, about JavaScript, and about developing desktop applications with Ruby. So, Alex, welcome to the Elrug podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks Glad for to be here. here. Yeah. So, I'm going to talk to you about something you're working on recently first. So, mm-hmm. I've seen on your blog and on Hacker News about Holler. That's right, yeah. So can you tell me? So, Holler is a group chat application, and uh, I mainly developed it as a really good example of uh, how to build JavaScript web apps. Uh, with Ruby backends. Uh, the only Ruby component of it is basically an API, mm-hmm. and then the rest of it is just uh, JavaScript. Um, so the JavaScript has state, and the idea is that everything is asynchronous. There's no blocking in the UI, so you get a much uh, better ex- user experience because it's much faster. Now you can drag and drop files onto it, and they'll upload in the background. You know, if you, you can edit uh, channels, and they'll uh, they'll be appear to have changed instantly in the UI, and they'll uh, send a request to update the channels in the background. That sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, it's just nice touches like that that really give a really nice uh, user experience to people. Yeah. One of the things I liked was you can drag a file on there to upload it, and then everyone else in the chat room will see the file uploaded That's at right. the same time. Yeah. You can see the everybody else can see the progress bar. We're using Juggernaut 2 for the real-time updates, and that is basically built on Node.js and also uses a Redis pub sub, and it allows you to push data from server to the client. Mm -hmm. So I'm quite interested in sort of the way that you've built it. So you say you're going to use Node.js, so that's handling the the server-side sort of... The real-time updates, yeah. But there's also a Ruby component that, that stores... Uh, yeah, it just stores the account details, uh, messages, um, channels, that sort of thing. I mean, you could you could you write that with any backend. Yeah. I'm just familiar with Ruby, so that's what I did. So, so is this whole application something that's a standalone app that you're going to charge for accounts, kind of like Campfire, or? Uh, no, so it's open source now on GitHub. Um, I developed it as an example for a book I'm writing on JavaScript web apps. Uh, so anybody can use it. So you said that this is it's kind of unique because it's storing state. That's right. Okay. So, so what does what does that mean? What's the sort of typical problem if I'm well, building a JavaScript application? Right. Well, the um, well at the moment people have this request response paradigm in their web apps, uh, which is a bit artificial. Now we don't actually need it anymore. We have the technologies uh, now that didn't exist in the past, so there's no reason to impose it on our on our users. Um, so the idea is that you keep state in JavaScript, there are no page refreshes, um, and uh, the J- JavaScript, let's say there's channels and you edit a channel name, the JavaScript uh, can update the interface uh, instantly. It doesn't have to call back to the server to fetch new HTML to uh, update the view. Um, so I have a feeling that these uh, apps are going to be uh, the future for the in the next year or so, there there's going to be a lot of these coming out because they provide a much so I guess better experience. The new Twitter is an example of. It's a very good example of that. Yeah, I think. 
So when I'm using new Twitter, and I guess when I'm using the the URL bar is changing with a, some kind of fragment. That's right. The, so the the URL changes a fragment, and the reason for that um, is because people like to copy and paste the URLs. Sure. Right? Uh, because in in HTML5, you can actually change the history. So there's no reason for using the hashtag uh, in there for history reasons anymore. But it's just copy and pasting reasons. So that means that you don't need a you don't need a HTML representation of the same. That's correct. Resource. Yeah. And so in in the case of Holler, there isn't. There isn't uh, in the case of Holler, I mean, you don't really need to index Holler. I mean, the, I the, so, the rooms yeah. are not publicly available. But if you were doing something like Twitter, then that's a good idea to have this uh, be compliant to the AJAX search API. Yeah. You need to append some parameters onto it. So basically, you're acting as the Google search bot. bot. And what Twitter actually do is if you act as the Google search bot, they will redirect you to uh, an HTML version of that page. But they could just as easily uh, provide you with an HTML representation or just the text to the page um, if you're the Google search bot. Mm -hmm. So you think this is this is the way that applications are going to be built? I have a feeling, and I hope so, because it provides a much better experience, in my opinion. So this is going to be an example application in a, in a book? That's right. And the book's going to be about developing this kind of application. That's correct, yeah. Okay, so how far along are you with that? Well, I've done a few chapters. Uh, in fact, if you go on my blog, alexmccord.co.uk, you can see a list of the, the uh, potential chapters and you can add to them or remove them if you don't like them. Um, and uh, so it's really sort of a crowdsourced book. Mm -hmm. um, so you're going to open source the book as well, do you think? Uh, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll see if I can get a good publisher, but otherwise I'll open source it, yeah. yeah. So in your last travels, you went out to San Francisco. I was kind of interested to know what you got up to when you were over there and what yeah. you thought about the, oh, the I, community of there. I absolutely loved it out there. Um, They're so optimistic. Um, there is a lot of entrepreneurial developers out there, uh, and the startup community is second to none. In like a five-mile radius, you have all the major web 2.0 companies and they're quite happy for you to just go in there and you know work from their offices for the day um, yeah they're really open about it so you did that absolutely bit. yeah so did you meet any any Rubyists out in San Francisco do you have a feel <laughs> yeah absolutely tons yeah. Um, so Rails yeah. is the is the kind of go to oh absolutely uh, I would say the vast vast majority of people are using Ruby out there mm -hmm. yeah I mean you've got startups like Heroku that make deploying a, a Ruby website just so simple mm -hmm. nowadays um, yeah it's a real no brainer so what were you working on while you were Oh, doing Task Force. Uh, I was working on a startup called Task Force out there, um, which did quite well. It got about 13,000 users, was on Mashable and, and various other websites. Um, and I learned a hell of a lot out there. Um, and so uh, I'm definitely going to be going back. <laughs> so is Task Force still an ongoing concern that you can take with you when you go travelling and work on? Or? My uh, co-founder is still working on Task Force at the moment. I'm concentrating on other things. Yeah. Your talk recently at work was about Bowline, which is your... That's right. That's the GUI framework that you extracted from Task Force? Uh, that's all I developed for Task Force. Mm -hmm. uh, so Bowline was an attempt to... Uh, produce a Ruby desktop uh, framework uh, and the idea is you can develop uh, apps in 
uh, JavaScript and uh, Ruby um, and uh, then just deploy them across the platform. And uh, yeah, if you go to bowlinapp.com, you can see a few examples up there. Um, you, at the moment, it's Mac and uh, Linux only. There isn't, there's not a Windows version, um, but it's using WebKit, WX widgets, Ruby 1.9.2, um, and uh, it lets you compile the apps. And it has this nice binding uh, API between Ruby and JavaScript. Oh, well, Ruby and the HTML. So if you update a Ruby model, then the HTML automatically updates. But during, during the, uh, developing Bolin, I developed a whole host of JavaScript libraries. There's like super app, uh, super model, super class, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, that is basically where all this asynchronous uh, or uh, JavaScript web apps uh, idea has come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those have uh, been crucial to uh, developing further things, and I'm not concentrating so much on the desktop. Do you think there's a do you think there's opportunities on the desktop? I mean, for for kind of application development in general. Even, yeah, you know, I so so you took the approach of bundling essentially bundling a browser with yeah. with everything it needs to run. Yeah, I guess a bit like PhoneGap works on the phone or something right. like that. You've kind of got a wrapper around. Yeah, well, let's uh, if I was to do it again in the future, uh, I'd probably use something like Fluid. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just use Fluid's APIs for things, and uh, you can bundle an app with Fluid on your website, so nobody ever knows you're using it. Um, it's a really nice piece of work for for Windows. Um, it would be slightly more difficult, um, but it's it's a big difference shipping an actual product than a uh, than a web service. Yeah. Um, although I would mention one of the advantages is that it's easier to get people to pay for a product than a service uh, yeah. for something they, they're quite used to paying for th- for products that they've downloaded and installed whereas monthly payment they're not so keen on mm. uh, so I guess you must be pretty excited about the app store on the new version <laughs> yes although I do think uh, it is a slippery slope I do think the uh, I mean imagine if you tried to install an app that wasn't from the app store and you got this warning about the fact that it wasn't approved by Apple and it may have malicious content in it or whatever mm-hmm. uh, I could I could see that slowly happening and then or if, or if they stop the like, applications altogether and they have to go absolutely, through the app store. absolutely I think that would uh, for a lot of kind of free software that would uh, that would be the end of it kill it yeah it. yeah so it's well, a, I suspect they won't do it but yeah it's a slippery slope, so we have to keep an eye on them. Is there a future in, in websites? I mean, the, the kind of uh, the Wikipedia model of just sort of hyperlink pages that connect together, and yeah, you know, and you follow them through, and it's like you know, a book online. But sure, I wouldn't if I was making Wikipedia. I wouldn't make it a web app. Mm-hmm. That's much better as just like content-based thing, which is, I mean, it suits the request-response model just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a lot of things like Gmail. Um, why, why should I have to wait when I click send an email? You know, you should just send it in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, or when I on Google Docs, I was uh, just looking at it today um, in preparation for a post I'm writing about about Google's UI, and uh, and there are about like five buttons that if you press, they will block the UI. If you sort your docs, it will block the UI. If you click share, it'll block the UI, and it, it doesn't. It blocks it and sends off an HTTP request. Uh, so if you've got a slow connection, uh, it, 
it's a really bad experience. Like you can't do anything for like three or four seconds. So the, the sorting is happening on the server side. The sorting is happening on the server side. Yeah. And then the it's returning the sorted list, and then that's right. Yeah. And the whole of Gmail is done like that as well. Okay. I just think that's a bit crazy. Uh, I think you should do that. The clients are more than powerful enough to do the sorting. Yeah. Client side now. What else is exciting you with upcoming technologies? What have, what have you seen that's well, uh, CSS3 has, has been absolutely amazing for me. Uh, and what I do when I'm designing a website is I don't go into Photoshop. I just just open an HTML page and start coding CSS3. And uh, you can do uh, all the gradients and uh, or practically all the effects that you need to in CSS3. And for Holler, uh, I think there are only like two images and everything else is just uh, CSS3. Yeah. Uh, so I think that I think that will change design as well. I think uh, designers will will start coding more for the uh, for the actual web rather than this print model where they just have this flat, uninteractive um, Photoshop file that they change and then somebody cuts it up and puts it on the web. And wh- why not go straight into the CSS3 and start coding from there? Mm-hmm. So do you think Ruby has a has a future? Um, if if things are going the way that you hope they will, and more to the client side, do you think mm. Ruby will be relegated to a thin shim on the service layer that kind of deals with a few bits of? Maybe um, there is one thing though that uh, is contrary to that, and that's Mac Ruby. And I've been playing around with that, and that's absolutely amazing. Uh, well. Uh, Mac's APIs are pretty good, but the interfaces that you can have with their APIs um, with Mac Ruby are just excellent, and you can produce top quality uh, Mac apps with that sort of thing. And that's bundled now with Mac, uh, with OS X. And I have a feeling that the in the Apple Store, um, if in the App Store, they they will have a lot of Mac Ruby apps because they'll be so easy to develop. Um, so that, that, I guess, is contrary to the, fact that the, the idea that JavaScript will have all the logic uh, and Ruby will just be the API side. So there, there, is, there, is, there is a lot of things that can happen. And uh, Ruby is in a really exciting state at the moment. We've got this new interpreter, Rubinius, uh, which is getting faster and faster every day. And we've got uh, a lot of implementations of Ruby uh, we've got some really interesting libraries coming out. And we've got Rails 3, which is just an incredible improvement. Uh, so it's, it's a really exciting time. You've been listening to the Elrug Podcast. Thank you to my guest, Alex McCaw. You can find him online at alexmccaw.co.uk. If you enjoyed this episode, find out more at elrug.org and consider rating the show on iTunes. Thank you and see you.